Hello, I'm Ronnie Lutz. This is the Liner Project. Sweet home Alabama. All right, that's probably enough singing for me. You'll probably never want to hear me sing again. This episode is about Leonard Skinner's song, Sweet Home Alabama. It has controversy, it has intrigue, it has co-authors telling vastly different stories, it has a plane crash, and it has a Canadian saying they're sorry. Of course, because that's what Canadians do, right? And it's the story of a governor. So lots of interesting things to wrap up here fairly quickly in this episode, so we'll get onto the homework from last week. The first statement was that the lead singer of this band is from Jacksonville, Florida, and actually most of the band is from Jacksonville, Florida. The lead singer of Leonard Skinner is Ronnie Van Zant. He is the lead singer and lyricist. The second clue about this band was that they, most of them either died or were seriously injured in a plane crash in 1977. The lead singer Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, and backup singer Cassie Gaines all died, and, it was, and the rest of the band was seriously injured in that plane crash. The song, Sweet Home Alabama, written by Van Zant and Ed King, who we'll talk about later, was a reaction to Southern Man, in Alabama. You can hear this in the lyrics. As a reaction to Southern Man in Alabama, Leonard Skinner was making the statement that they had heard what he said and they would hope that he would remember that they didn't need him. That no southern man needed him. He's singing this in the first person. I heard, I heard, I hope. And that a southern man wouldn't need him. Later on, Neil Young said he was sorry. He recanted his lines in Southern Man. He said he didn't like his words when he listened to them. That they were accusatory and condescending. And they weren't fully thought out. And they were too easy to misconstrue. Going back to Southern Man, in the last episode, I would think that it would be hard to misconstrue what Neil Young was saying. He was saying it quite clearly that racism was bad and that the South had some reckoning to do based on the fact that racism had such a long history there and continued even up until the time that Neil Young was writing those songs. So I'm not sure why he recanted his lines, but he did. It's his song. He can say whatever he wants. There has always been a controversy. Was Ronnie Van Zant and Leonard Skinner actually really angry with Neil Young? Was Neil Young really angry at Leonard Skinner and Ronnie Van Zant? We'll never know, but there are some clues that maybe, at least on the outside, they decided to not show that they were angry with each other. Neil Young actually wore a Leonard Skinner shirt at one of his concerts, and he did sing Sweet Home Alabama once, just once. He doesn't sing Southern Man anymore. He hasn't sang it in a long time. And on one of their later albums, Ronnie Van Zant on the cover actually was wearing a Neil Young shirt. Did they kiss and make up? Were they ever really angry? Did Ronnie Van Zant and Ed King just heard these two songs by Neil Young just decided, hey, we'll write this song. It's a good anthem and I'm sure all of people that listen to us will really enjoy it. I don't know. You can make your own decision about how Neil Young and Leonard Skinner slash Ronnie Van Zant actually felt about each other. At the end of the day, Leonard Skinner got a huge, huge, huge hit for it and made a ton of money off of it, so I'm sure they were laughing all the way to the bank. Neil Young's songs aren't that famous, but I'm sure 
like me, there were many other people that heard the lines about Neil Young and decided to go look into what that what those words meant, and they found the same thing that I found. So I'm sure Neil Young got some business out of it as well. So it's interesting. I don't know. What I really wanted to focus on today, though, was telling a little story about the next lines that I want to talk about. These are the controversial lines in Sweet Home Alabama. Whether they like Neil Young or not, not that much of a controversy, but these lines are. The line, in Birmingham they love the governor, is interesting because Alabama's capital is not in Birmingham. It's actually in Montgomery. Therefore, we know we can pinpoint what he's talking about in this song to the governor, George Wallace. George Wallace was a segregationist populist. He was the Democratic governor of Alabama. He served four terms in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was serving terms as the governor of Alabama. His last term didn't end in Alabama until 87. And between uh, his term from 63 to 68 and then his term starting up in 71, his wife, Lurleen, was the governor of Alabama. So this guy was highly respected. He ran for president three times as a Democrat, once as an American Independent Party. You got to remember that prior to the 60s, but there were still Southern Democrats that hadn't flipped to the way the party system is now. Wallace would definitely not be a Democrat today. He would be more toward the side of Republican. But at the time... He was a Democrat. Wallace is really famous for his 1963 inaugural address, and he's famous for right after that, standing in the doorway of Foster Auditorium trying to block entry to black students going to the University of Alabama. The first thing he said in his inaugural address was, In the name of the greatest people that have ever trod this earth, I draw the line in the dust and toss the gauntlet before the feet of tyranny, and I say, Segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Fairly easy to see where Wallace stood on segregation. He wanted it to continue. We have to go back in time a little bit to 1954. 1954, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled on Brown versus Board of Education. Brown versus Board of Education was a highly complicated court case. It essentially, though, meant desegregation everywhere in the United States, including the South. Between 1954 and 1963, there were hundreds of black students that were denied entrance to the University of Alabama based on whatever they could base it on, but they didn't allow people in. In 1963, though, that all changed when a federal district judge ordered that three black students be admitted. Those three students were Vivian Jones, Dave McGaltry, and James Hood. They had applied to go to Alabama, and a federal district judge said yes, they could go. He also told Governor Wallace that he could not interfere with them going to school. So Wallace did the thing that he is probably most famous for. He stood in the doorway of Foster Auditorium where all the students would go in to register for their classes and he tried to block injury of Vivian Jones and James Hood. Basically just stood there and wouldn't let them in. JFK was the president at the time and he had to issue an executive order, 11111, five ones, that federalized the Alabama National Guard and they were told to go get George Wallace out of the door. Now they were probably fairly complicit with Wallace, but they did get him to move, but not before he was allowed to give a speech on stage rights, which if you'll remember back to the episode we talked about 
Confederate flag, states' rights is what the South says they were fighting about. That's in quotations. In the Civil War, I mean, they were fighting for states' rights. We talked about that. States' rights to do things that shouldn't be done. Wallace did finally move, and Jones and Hood did get to sign up for classes that day, and they did go to Alabama. Kennedy actually had to make the National Guard stay because of the large groups of KKK in the area. We had talked about the KKK on the last episode. They were there trying to ensure that this kind of thing wouldn't happen. They were there for voter suppression. We talked about that. Anywhere there was racism, the KKK was there stoking those fires. Wallace said, The President JFK, John F. Kennedy, wants us to surrender the state to Martin Luther King and his group of pro-communists who have instituted these demonstrations. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think Martin Luther King Jr. was a communist, but that's how Wallace thought about it. Martin Luther King actually said Wallace was perhaps the most dangerous racist in America today. He probably was because he was very powerful in Alabama. And I think because of that power he had in Alabama, all the southern states kind of did the same thing because he was such a powerful person running for president, winning the office. I will say this about Wallace. By 1979, he did say, hey, standing in the doorway was wrong. Those days are all over and they ought to be over. He publicly asked forgiveness from black people, and he did win another election in 1983 after that, and he was governor from 83 to 87. I'm not going to get into whether Wallace did or did not change his opinion of people. Everyone has the right to change, so maybe Wallace did. That's not the point of this episode. The point is just to tell you what Wallace did, and I thought it was important to go ahead and include the fact that he did say that he was wrong. And he did ask for forgiveness. And there were lots of people that did forgive him. And he did win election again. So going back to that verse again. It says, in Birmingham, they love the governor. And then the backup singers sing, boo, boo, boo. So this is kind of where the controversy begins. Is Leonard Skinner saying boo to the governor, Governor Wallace. And then he says... Now, we all did what we could do. So is he saying we did what we could do to ensure that Governor Wallace wouldn't have got elected? Or that is he saying that the Southern person, that Leonard Skinner, loves the governor and they all did what they could do to get him elected? And then the line is, now Watergate does not bother me. Does your conscience bother you? I think these lines probably mean Nixon is a Republican. Is Watergate something that bothers the people in the North if it doesn't, if it... It doesn't bother me, so maybe you shouldn't be bothered by what the governor does. This is kind of where it gets cloudy on who's saying what, and it's not in first person anymore. Although, now Watergate does not bother me is in first person, but the first two lines talk about they love the governor and we all did what we could do. Anyway, the controversy is, what's going on here? Van Zant said in 75, the lyrics about the governor of Alabama were misunderstood. The general public didn't notice the words boo, boo, boo after that particular line. And the media picked up only on the reference to the people loving the governor. So he's saying that obviously the boo, boo, boo is him, the people around him saying boo to the governor. And that the we all did what we could do was to get him not elected. Ed King, as I talked about earlier, was a co-author of that song and he refuted that. He actually said... I can understand where the boo-boo-boo would be misunderstood, but it's not us going boo. It's what the southern man hears the northern man say every time the southern man would say, in Birmingham, we love the governor. Get it? We all did what we could do to get Wallace elected. 
It's not a popular opinion, but Wallace stood for the average white guy in the South. Ed King is obviously of the opinion that when they wrote that song, he was for George Wallace. Ed King actually goes on to say, I still like the plaque that hangs here in my office that says, I'm an honorary member of the Alabama State Militia, signed personally by George C. He means George Wallace because George Wallace's middle name was Corley. Sure, the man had his flaws, but he spoke for the common man of the South. We can easily see what Ed King says. So we have Ronnie Van Zant saying one thing, and we have Ed King saying another. The producer actually said, The line, we all did what we could do, is sort of ambiguous. We tried to get Wallace out of, out of there, is how he always thought of it. During the chorus of the song, Sweet Home Alabama, it does talk about the skies are so blue and the governor's true. I think, once again, we have a lyric stating that the governor is true. When I first heard this song, I'm sure I loved it. Southern rock in the Midwest and the South is like pumped into your veins with a needle. People absolutely love it. I'm sure I probably played it myself plenty of times. I'm sure I owned a cassette. I'm sure I owned an album. I'm sure I listened to it who knows how many times. Anywhere you would go, they would probably be playing this song. It became an anthem not only for Alabama, but for the entire South and in the entire area where I grew up at in Missouri and certainly Mississippi. It was more than just about Alabama, even though the singers weren't from Alabama. If you want to go on and <laughs> find a... So we have Neil Young with a diss track against the South. We have Leonard Skinner with a diss track against Neil Young. And then we have Molly Hatchett with a diss track against Leonard Skinner. I'll put it in the show notes. It's a song called Gator Country. And if I were to pick all of the songs that I've talked about, Southern Man, Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama, or Gator Country, I like Gator Country the best. So I'll let you, I'll put it down there and let you decide how you like it that. But as I was saying, as a kid growing up, I would have always heard this song. And I'm sure I didn't understand what it meant as a kid. As I grew older and started really listening to lyrics and I saw that the thing about Neil Young, I went and looked for that because that's interesting to me and I wanted to find out why was Leonard Skinner seemingly so angry with Neil Young. Then I would have found out about Southern Man in Alabama. Then the lines, in Birmingham they love the governor. I'm certain that I would have looked that up and I would have found out that it was about Governor Wallace. At that point, I don't think I ever listened to this song again and I especially didn't listen to it in the same light. I have always, my opinion again, I have to state that, I have always considered Sweet Home Alabama a song that is celebrating segregationists and is celebrating racism. I could be wrong and it could have all been just a big funny thing on the part of Ronnie Van Zant and the other writers of the song based on the fact that they weren't from Alabama and they didn't have any kind of allegiance to Alabama but they had a good lick. I mean, Sweet Home Alabama is instantly knowable. As soon as you hear it, as soon as you hear the guitar riff in the beginning, you're going to know it's Sweet Home Alabama. So they had a they had a good riff to start with. The lyrics are fun to sing, not going to lie. And did they mean what they said? It's ambiguous. We'll never know. Ronnie Van Zant died early, so the only person that had a chance to say anything later, said they were. Well, we'll never know. But it's interesting to me. It's an interesting story. Hope you enjoyed the story of Neil Young and Leonard Skinner and Governor Wallace. Do some more research into all of this if you'd like. It's 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 amazing. There's lots of 
conspiracy theories, I guess I should say, about what it all means. I gave you a brief synopsis and, you know, just my opinion. That kind of ends this episode on Leonard Skinner, Sweet Home Alabama. Ends the kind of the three episodes that we that I talked about at the beginning that were kind of topical today. They're going to be on racism and subject matter that is very topical to what's happening today. Once again, I would like everyone to know that I support Black Lives Matter. I think if you have not already and you listen to this, you should go to blacklivesmatter.com. You should sign up. You should donate if you have the money. You should help out the cause of Black Lives Matter. It is important. It's important because I've just spent three episodes explaining the history of the South where we talked about slavery from 1619 to 1865 and then from 1865 to 19 in the 1970s we had a governor in Alabama that was a pro segregationist that did not want black students to be mixed with white students and from 70 to 2020 we still have police brutality against black people we have police brutality against a lot of people we have, but we have police brutality at a higher than normal rate against black people in this country. We haven't learned from 1619 until 2020 what we should have learned. So this wraps up those three episodes. I hope you enjoyed them and we're going to move on for the next episode. This next episode has me really excited. I absolutely love this song. I love this singer-songwriter. I'm going to, I mean, I'm honest, I'm, I love all these songs, that's why I chose them, but this one is pretty special to me. The clues this week are, this singer-songwriter was born in New Jersey, both parents died of a heart attack early, and they moved to L.A. This singer-songwriter was in the U.S. Army Infantry and got in trouble for stealing a rug, but still became a squad leader later on. And this song was named the same as the album, and the intro to this album was by the lead singer of the Dead Kennedys. Exciting stuff. I hope everyone has a good couple weeks. I hope everyone gets their homework in. Should be a fun episode next time. Oh, I need to say this one thing. This song is not safe for work and not safe for kids. If you do find the song, please don't play it in your office. Don't play it at work. Don't play it with the kids. And if you are a person that is easily offended or just offended at all, or don't have the desire to hear probably all of the curse words, then I would suggest not listening to this song. However, I think the song is very important, and the song has a social commentary that is bigger than the words used in the song. So I'll leave that there. Not safe work, not safe for children. Thank you for listening. Have a great couple weeks, and I'll see you next time.